www.blogtalkradio.com. The best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon, everyone. It's an interesting day today, and we look at what's happening with our president and and with terrorism around the world. Uh, We have the Egyptians bombing ISIS in Libya. We have Jordan bombing ISIS in Syria. And we have the President of the United States holding a summit to talk about uh, violent extremism. He won't call it Islamic extremism. He won't call it jihad. It's violent extremism, and this is a generic term that he can try to apply to everybody. Uh, he writes an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times today talking about how it's not just Muslims or one religion that's doing this. He talks about the killing of the three Muslim students in North Carolina. Well, the police are investigating that. They have not classified that as a hate crime. They classified that as just an insane man who got in an argument with these three students over a parking spot. And someone who's volatile and someone who then turned around and shot and killed all three of them. It's certainly a horrible act. But to try to divert the American people from understanding what is actually happening in the Middle East by talking about something that's happened, an isolated incident involving uh, a man who, by the way, identified himself on, uh, on social media as a gun-toting liberal and an atheist. So if this was uh, an act of a hate crime, it was done by an atheist, not by a Christian which Obama seems to be implying it was you know, done by a Christian man. And then we have the speech he gave last week in, uh, in which he talked about, uh, you know, the summit coming up. And, and well, actually, the speech was a couple of weeks ago when he asked for the Congress to approve a fight against ISIS. And uh, he basically didn't call it jihadism or extremism. And it's a very tepid response that he wants to have. He basically wants Congress to limit what his ability to do things, like the president pays any attention to Congress when he doesn't want to. But then we had the prayer breakfast incident where he compares the actions of the Christians and the Crusades to what ISIS is doing today. Well, first of all, he doesn't know his history, or if he does, he's trying to ignore it. Uh, The Crusades were a defensive war fought by Christianity, European Christians against the encroachment of the Muslims, who had actually come into Europe and had taken parts of Europe and had to be forced back out, and then the uh, Crusades, Crusaders went on to try to secure the Holy Land. This was a defensive war a thousand years ago, has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on today. But interestingly enough, the President uses the word Christian Crusades, and a couple of days later, when ISIS massacres the 21 Coptic Christians, well, by the way, the president finds that they referred to these uh, men as Christians. He, of course, refrained from saying, pointing out that they were Christians, that that was the reason for them being killed. But uh, he finally admitted that today in his op-ed. But the president talks about the Crusades in the prayer breakfast speech. A couple of days later, when they... ISIS massacred these 21 Coptic Christians, they refer to them as crusaders. Are we getting a hint now of what's really going on here? Are they, they taking 
their actions and their rhetoric from our president because he spends so much time to so much time trying to defend them. Well, my response to all this has been uh, to write an article for my blog. And for those of you that, that follow it, you probably already read the article. But if, if not, you can go to www.michaelconnelly.com. And you can read the article. And the article is titled, Aid and Comfort. And the reason for the title is, as I point out in the article, that the Constitution of the United States provides a specific definition of treason against our nation. Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution states, and I'm quoting here, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Now, the term aid and comfort has been legally interpreted as meaning that any action that seeks to strengthen, strengthen our country's enemies or weaken our ability to defend ourselves against our enemies can be classified as treason. This can be direct support for the enemy or even an attempt to provide support for the enemy. We know who the enemy is that we're facing right now. It's Islamic Jihad. It has manifested itself as Al-Qaeda and the Taliban, which, by the way, the White House continues to say is not a terrorist organization, therefore they can negotiate with them that the Taliban is an armed insurgency. Well, the Taliban, the reason we attacked Afghanistan to begin with is because the Taliban was in control. It was a repressive regime, and they were allowing terrorist camps to operate there. Al-Qaeda was operating out of the Taliban at that point, and they were training terrorists from around the world to kill Americans and to kill other infidels. And uh, they, the Taliban has operated since as a terrorist organization. They routinely kill children particularly female children who are trying to get an education. They have uh, tortured and slaughtered many of their own citizens in Afghanistan. They're doing the same thing in Pakistan, yet the President of the United States doesn't want to call the Taliban a terrorist organization. But our enemy has manifested itself as al-Qaeda, the Taliban, ISIS, and now Boko Haram, and other other groups out there. We We don't even know how many groups are operating out there right now. Now, the group that did the beheading in Libya is a an offshoot of al-Qaeda and ISIS, apparently. Uh, they align themselves with ISIS. So that's where our enemy is. They promote the radical Islamic agenda of destroying or subjugating every country in the world to the Muslim religion. It's a religion that condones placing women in slavery, outlawing basic human freedoms, and killing its opponents in barbaric ways. And all of this is sanctioned supposedly by Allah, by Muhammad, and Muhammad is the prophet, and what the prophet says goes, and then Muhammad is known for having people slaughtered in the barbaric ways uh, when he was on this world. So that is the, the enemy we face, and that is the enemy that continues to be protected by the President of the United States. And that's why I talk about aid and comfort and give you factual examples of, of the actions that, that he has taken. Since taking office in 2009, Obama has had numerous known terrorists released from Guantanamo Bay, some without the prior notice of the members of Congress required by law. 
But Congress passed a law when Obama started doing this. Congress passed a law that said that he had to give them 30 days' notice, at least ahead of the, the key committees in Congress, give them a 30-day notice that he was going to release somebody from Gitmo. He refused to do that. Most recently, he's released over a dozen terrorists, five of them being in the so-called trade for Bo Bergdahl, who is the Army deserter who left his post in Afghanistan. He left his post in Afghanistan. He went over to the other side, essentially, became a Muslim, we understand, and was with him for five years. American soldiers in Bergdahl's unit have no no question in their minds that he deserted. At the time, they weren't aware that that was what had happened, and they went out to try to rescue him. They thought he'd been captured by the enemy, and they started sit on a patrol and a rescue mission. Well, that patrol was ambushed, and American soldiers died trying to rescue who a man who essentially was a traitor. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we have an announcement coming forth or stories coming out of the Pentagon that he is going to be charged with desertion. That it was immediately quashed by the White House. The White House said, no, he's not going to be charged with desertion. We haven't made up our mind yet. The Pentagon comes out and says they haven't made up his, their mind yet. So in other words, Obama does not want the American people to know that, in fact, this man was a deserter. And he deserted in the face of the enemy, which is grounds for execution in this country. He essentially was a deserter and committed treason. But we traded five top Taliban leaders for him. One of those leaders is already back leading the Taliban fighters. The other four will be probably joining them soon. In fact, of all the people that Obama's released over the last six years, at least half of them have gone back into combat and are trying to kill American soldiers and coalition soldiers. They're fighting against us. That is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Releasing some of their top people, letting them go back into the fight, letting them kill American soldiers or attempt to kill American soldiers, that is certainly giving them aid and comfort. And it's also told them, it's also put Americans in danger all over the world. Because it's told them that Obama will, in fact, negotiate with terrorists. Now, we have had a policy for years that we do not negotiate with terrorists. Even when Americans' lives are in danger, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Yet Obama negotiated, obviously, with the Taliban, and now justifies that by saying, oh, the Taliban is not really a terrorist group. It's just a group of armed insurgents that are fighting against us in Afghanistan. But what about the Taliban in, in Pakistan? And what about the Taliban that, that operates in Pakistan and, and slaughters people there, most recently slaughtering a bunch of school children? That's what they're good at. And I'll say it. And, you know, they can send somebody after me. I'm an armed infidel. i got a T-shirt that says that, armed infidel. This is not a religion of peace. These are terrorist organizations. They have a manifesto that essentially calls, and it's part of the Islamic religion, it calls for everyone in the world who is not 
a Muslim to either have to pay a tax or to be thrown out of their country or to be executed. That's what they, you know, that's what they put. So I'm not going to be intimidated. But obviously the President of the United States is either intimidated or the President of the United States is not on our side. Let's look at it this way, the Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood is an organization that took over Egypt. Obama helped them take over Egypt. They took over Egypt. They immediately started setting up Sharia law as a law in Egypt. And most of the Egyptians are Muslims. But they didn't want this. They didn't want their freedoms to be denied. They didn't want complete control over their lives to be under Sharia law. And they did not want to lose their right to freedom of speech and freedom of the press, and this sort of thing, all of which was was being taken away from them. So they had, had a military coup, and they took back their country. Because the Muslim Brotherhood was doing exactly what it said it was going to do. And we'll talk more about that after this break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. The Muslim Brotherhood is an organization that has publicly stated, and I've read this, I've read what they've stated in the tenets, that they want to impose Sharia law on the rest of the world. That Sharia law, which of course is Sharia law, basically turns women into slaves uh, and basically allows men to kill women for virtually any reason whatsoever. Uh, fathers can kill their, their daughters. Uh, husbands can kill their wives. They can do it as an honor killing because the, the the case of the daughters. And it's happened here in this country. It happened in Texas a few years back. Two girls were killed by their Muslim father, who has since fled and is hiding somewhere in a Muslim country. 
they were killed because they had both started wearing Western-style clothing, adopted some Western uh, culture, and were dating, or at least talking to uh, boys who were not Muslims. So they were killed. That was an honor killing. That's what Sharia law allows. Now, we now have in Texas a Sharia tribunal set up, which is going to supposedly be voluntary and that will allow people to come forward and have to, when there was a dispute, a contract dispute or something like that, it will be decided under Sharia law by this tribunal. So far they haven't said they're going to decide criminal matters. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have laws in the state of Texas covering all of this. We have laws, in, the, in, in some cases federal laws, that cover much of this. Those are the laws of the land. For them to be able to set up Sharia law, which would be competing, is an abomination. And here's what they want to do with Sharia. Here's the way Sharia law works in a civil dispute. Say me, take me as a non-Muslim, an armed infidel, if you will, and I sign a contract to do business uh, with a Muslim, member of the Muslim community. And he breaks that contract. He owes me money, or he doesn't supply, doesn't pay me for goods or services I'm supplying, or he is supposed to pay me, or I'm supposed to pay him and get some goods and services out of him. That doesn't happen. So I sue, and it goes before a Sharia law judge. And by the way, these people in this tribunal are calling themselves judges. They name themselves as judges, not arbitrators. Not mediators, but they're calling them. Okay, it seems like we've uh, lost our connection with uh, Michael. If you'll hold on for one second, we'll try to reestablish that. We'll be back on America's Web Radio right after this. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. I assume that you're there? Yep. Okay, well, we'll try it again. 
Sorry about that, folks. We're live radio, and sometimes the technology uh, bites us on the backside. So it's all yours, Michael. All right. Thank you, David. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure why this has been happening some lately. I mean, it's tied twice, so I can't see if there's a drone floating overhead. Uh, but these days, it wouldn't surprise me. But in any case, I was talking about the Muslim Brotherhood and talking about their manifesto, how they want to impose radical Sharia law on the rest of the world, including here in the United States, and have already set up a tribunal, Sharia law tribunal in Texas. Yet the President of the United States, despite what the Muslim Brotherhood openly wants, and despite what we saw them doing in Egypt until they were overthrown, has openly appointed people from the Muslim Brotherhood to his administration, including several to the Department of Homeland Security, one of whom recently had to resign because he had basically made statements that were so radical in support of jihad that he was forced to resign. But then I think Obama replaced him with another Muslim. So we have who is giving an avowed country, the Muslim Brotherhood, and he's encouraging other people comfort. Let's look at something that's happened just recently. We have a uh, situation in Colorado where American students were forced to say the Pledge of Allegiance in Arabic and to use the phrase, one nation under Allah. We have students around the country that are in textbooks in Florida, textbooks in Florida, and how they defend basically jihad and how they refer to religion as being a completely peaceful religion. So, you know, that type of thing, is, as I see it, is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. But it, does, it pales in comparison with what Obama's doing. I mean, let's go on a little further to what, what's happened here. Obama withdrew American troops from Iraq without leaving any forces behind to help secure the country, as was requested by the Iraqi government. This created a vacuum that's been filled by ISIS and al-Qaeda, and we're supposedly bombing them, but not effectively. Uh, I was totally blown away the other day by the fact that I found out in one 48-hour period we had only flown 24, 23 sorties on one day and two on, the, on another day. That's not effective. But Obama's imposed rules of engagement on American in Afghanistan, did their ability to be effective both offensively and defensively, and has led to the unnecessary deaths. Uh, take, for example, that we had a squad of eight Marines who were surrounded by 200 Taliban. They were up in the hills around them. The Marines were pinned. They called for airstrikes, called for artillery fire. They were told they couldn't have it unless they could prove to the person on the other end, the person on the other end, uh, this had to be cleared all the way through the White House for them to get our support. They were told that they had to be able to prove that none of the 200 people who were up in the hills surrounding them were without weapons, that all of them had to have weapons or they couldn't call in artillery fire or air support on any of them. How could they prove that? They couldn't even stick their heads up 
except to return fire. They couldn't stand up and say, everybody stop and call a halt, but we count your noses and find out if all of you have weapons. The outcome, eight Marines died. This is the type of micromanagement that Obama has done to our soldiers. This is why we only, we're only flying two, two sorties on some days against ISIS in Iraq and Syria. To effectively start degrading them, as Obama puts it, to effectively start stopping them from advancing. And they're still advancing, despite the so, so-called uh, victories lately that have been announced. ISIS continues to advance. They've advanced in Syria, they're advancing in Iraq, and now they're in Libya. So there's three three countries that basically they control all or part of. We should be flying, according to military experts, at least 240 sorties a day. In other words, making 240 airstrikes a day on ISIS to have any kind of impact at all. Instead, our average is one-tenth of that, 24 airstrikes a day. That is not going to be effective. All the airstrikes and all the targets have to be personally approved by Obama. So in other words, if there's a target of opportunity out there, if we find a bunch of ISIS leaders in one one spot, where we see ISIS, a column of ISIS tanks rolling along the road, and we want to hit them, it has to be approved by Obama. Well, what if Obama's on the golf course? What if Obama's MIA, uh, like he was during Benghazi? of the massacre of Benghazi. They may not be able to get approval in time to do anything. In fact, I've confirmed that in a lot of cases, the airstrikes that Obama's approving, approving of, he's telling them to strike at night and go after empty buildings. It may have ISIS in the area, but not inside the buildings necessarily, to blow up empty pickup trucks that are parked, in other words, it seems like he doesn't want us to kill these terrorists. He didn't want to hurt the terrorists. He doesn't mind American soldiers being killed and injured, American airmen being killed and injured. Thank God ISIS had shot down one of our planes because they captured one of our pilots. I don't know if the president would do anything to try to save them. These so-called rescue attempts he made on American hostages, we knew where these hostages were before they were executed. We knew where they were. We had a strike force of special ops ready to go in and get them out. The president hesitated five days. He waited five days to approve that rescue operation. Now, during that five days, somehow, and we know the president is very fond of leaking information out of the White House, Somehow, ISIS found out that we were about to launch a rescue operation, and they moved the hostages. So the operation failed, and the Americans were ultimately executed. How did ISIS know that? And why did the president wait five days to authorize it? You can draw your own conclusions. I made my conclusion. But let's go on with the aid and comfort aspects of this. What else has Obama done? Well, he refused to call the massacre of American soldiers at Fort Hood by Major Nadal Hassan a committed, he was committed from Islamic fanatic, 
We know that. He's admitted that. But Obama refused to call that a terrorist attack. But instead, he labeled it as an act of workplace violence. The Justice Department has refused to call the beheading of a grandmother in Oklahoma by a Muslim convert, refused to call that a terrorist attack. They label that as workplace violence. The labeling of the attack at Fort Hood is now finally finally been reversed, although Obama still not refers to it as a terrorist attack, but at least the Pentagon has now awarded Purple Hearts to the 32 men and women who were injured and the families of the 13 men who were killed. And they've got the Purple Heart, which means they can now get more benefits. This was something Obama wouldn't do. For years, he wouldn't do it. And it'll be interesting to see if Hassan, who's been sentenced to death, will ever actually be put to death. I don't think Obama wants that to happen. But by refusing to call Islamic terrorism and jihad what it is, we are, he is providing aid and comfort to the enemy. Let's take a second break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We have to continue, unfortunately, with my cataloging of what Obama's done, which I consider acts of giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Obama released the identity of SEAL Team 6 for his own political purposes. He released the identity, said that they had killed bin Laden. Then, shortly thereafter, most, a lot of the members of SEAL, SEAL Team 6 were put on a helicopter in Afghanistan for supposedly an operation. 
Now, this was a cargo helicopter. This was not a Black Hawk. This was not a well-armed helicopter. They normally will take the Black Hawks in. That's what they used when they went in after bin Laden. They should have been on separate Black Hawk helicopters. A few from the team on one helicopter, a few more on another helicopter. For pure security reasons. No one knows who gave the order, and no one will confirm why they gave the order to put all these men on that single helicopter, which was ultimately shot down by the Taliban, and the men died. So the Taliban and al-Qaeda knew who had killed bin Laden because the President of the United States allowed that information to be released. During that same period of time, Obama deliberately lied to the American people because... Remember, he was running for re-election. He deliberately lied to the American people about al-Qaeda. He claimed that they had been decimated, and they were weak, and we really had nothing to fear from terrorists anymore, although he still wouldn't call them terrorists at that point, that al-Qaeda had been defeated. And he personally had been responsible for that defeat. He knew that al-Qaeda was getting stronger. When he made those assertions, he knew that al-Qaeda was not decimated, put out of business, but was in fact getting stronger. And that was proven by what happened in Benghazi. But again, that was just before the election. So we had terrorists attack and kill the United States ambassador and three other men at Benghazi, and Obama claimed, and had his White House staff claim, and had Susan Rice claim that this was not a terrorist attack. This was a response to a video. This was a random act of violence that took place when there was a demonstration in front of the consulate in Benghazi that went bad because they were mad about a, a movie or a video that had been put on YouTube that said something bad about the Prophet Muhammad. They knew that that was a lie. They saw in real time in the White House, or at least a lot of people did, the Secretary of Defense was there, uh, but uh, Obama wasn't there. We don't know where Obama was. To this day, the American people have never been told where Obama was during Benghazi and what he was doing. We do know he was not in the White House Situation Room. He, we do know he was not monitoring what was going on. He was not issuing any orders that we know of. People that could have rescued our men of Benghazi, or at least rescued a couple of them, were told to stand down. We had a team of four men, four special ops troops that were in Tripoli, and we're actually at the airport with a C-130 cargo plane prepared to take them on the hour ride to Benghazi. And they were told to stand down. That order apparently did not come from anybody in the military. It was issued to a CIA member on the ground. I've heard reliable reports that it was Valerie Jarrett Larry Jarrett, who is a known communist, who is uh, the chief advisor of the President of the United States, 
Valerie Jarrett from Iran, that's where she was born, she issued the stand-down order, not only to the uh, the team in Tripoli, but also to Marines in the area, and even to aircraft. And Americans died, and then the Americans' public was lied to repeatedly by Obama, by members of his administration, by the national news media, for the most part, about what went on. We still don't know what happened that night. Trey Gowdy as is running a congressional committee that's supposedly investigating this, and I hope John Boehner doesn't pull him back, because we have a right to know what happened. But by refusing to label this an act of terrorism, by refusing for almost a year to retaliate in any way, in fact, we still haven't retaliated, supposedly we have finally arrested, you know, they issued a sealed indictment. They wouldn't tell us who the terrorists were. They issued a sealed indictment to go after some people, and they claim that we've arrested one of them. Where is he? Who is he? Why hasn't he been put, been put on trial? What's the deal here? The lies continue about Benghazi. This was a terrorist attack. They knew it was a terrorist attack from the beginning, and they did nothing. They did nothing about it. And now we have a situation with Iran. Obviously, the President of the United States has caved in to the Iranians. We had effective sanctions in place on Iran that had slowed down their ability to produce enriched uranium, which is what they need to build nuclear weapons, nuclear bombs. Our sanctions were bringing the, the Iranian economy to its knees. Obama decided that he was going to start negotiating with Iran, despite the fact that it's never worked in the past, and he was going to turn his back on our allies in the region, particularly Israel, and he started unilaterally, again, without the approval of Congress, unilaterally canceling some of the sanctions on the Iranians. Since he's been doing that, their economy has been rebuilt. It's stronger than ever. They are going fast-forward, with enriching uranium, which under the interim deal that Obama had John Kerry make, they're allowed to do, they're allowed to continue enriching uranium, simply on the basis that they said, oh, we're not going to make a nuclear bomb, we're just doing this to, to provide electricity to our people. We know that's a lie, Obama knows it's a lie, John Kerry knows it's a lie, but they're allowing them to do this. They're getting to the point where they're going to be able to build a nuclear weapon in a fairly quickly very short period of time, maybe a couple of months from the time they finish the enrichment process. And that could happen within the next six months. But oh, no final agreement's been reached. Obama keeps kicking the can down the road. The Iranians refuse to re reach an agreement with us, so Obama says, that's okay, we'll try again in six weeks or three months or something. He knows what's happening over there. He knows that the Iranians now are working on a delivery system for these nuclear weapons. They're testing medium-range and long-range missiles, some of which they're getting from the North Koreans. They're testing these missiles because the medium-range can reach Israel 
and reach other Arab states in the long range, can reach Europe, can go after American interests in the Mediterranean, including our fleets, and potentially they're trying to develop one that they can use to land a nuclear bomb in, on our east coast. All of this is happening under Obama's watch, and it's not an accident. Again, it is directly providing aid and comfort to our enemy. Egypt and Jordan, interestingly enough, are going going along on their own. The, uh, the fight against ISIS, uh, Obama's the White House is all stirred up because the Egyptians didn't ask our permission to attack ISIS in Libya. Well, the Egyptians don't trust us. We tried to keep them under the thumb of the Muslim Brotherhood. The Egyptian president is not going to deal with Obama. He doesn't see any leadership there. Supposedly we're leading the coalition, but we're not really leading anything. Obama, as usual, is leading from behind. But by doing that, he's providing aid and comfort to the enemy. We ought to be bombing... ISIS repeatedly in Libya in Syria and Iraq we ought to be openly pointing out the danger the Iranians are posing to us Obama ought to be going along with Congress wanting to post new sanctions on Iran instead he's threatened to veto any new sanctions if that's not aid and comfort to the enemy I don't know what is but in dealing with ISIS, for over a year, the man refused to acknowledge his, his very existence almost. He referred to it as a junior varsity group, no threat, even though he was being told, he was being given intelligence briefings, which, by the way, they have an intelligence briefing for him every morning, and from what I understand is he only shows up about half the time. He doesn't really care. You know, what the intelligence briefings has to say, he doesn't care that America's in imminent danger of being attacked by ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other groups. I mean, he's opened our southern border completely. He's let letting terrorists come in. He's letting criminals come in. He's letting people with diseases come in, all of which he's doing in, because of his executive order on amnesty, which a federal court struck down here in Texas yesterday. I hope, I pray, that the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals will uphold that ruling and that the Supreme Court will uphold that ruling. If they do not, if they allow his amnesty plan to stand, which is a clear violation of Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution and Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8 gives the Obama, or gives Congress the sole power to regulate naturalization immigration. We'll talk more about that after our final break. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, 
the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I was talking about our open border policy and how uh, basically this amnesty business that Obama's done has been struck down by a federal court, and it's critical that the Supreme Court uphold that ruling. Because if they don't, if they say that Obama can, in fact, violate the Constitution by bypassing Congress and amending laws on his own, laws passed by the um, Congress, then we're done. We will, at that point, officially be under a dictatorship. Congress will be irrelevant. The courts will be irrelevant. Obama will officially be a dictator, and he can do whatever he wants. The Constitution will be totally irrelevant. This is what we're looking at, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we are facing. We're looking at Obama having all the power he wants, all the power he thinks he has now, if those, the, the court ruling is not upheld. So we're in a very dangerous situation when it comes to that ruling. And there may be a resolution of that within a couple of weeks. So keep your prayers up that we win that fight, because it's very important that we win it. Because, you know, we're talking now about giving aid and comfort to the enemy. And we know that Obama held a secret meeting just a couple of weeks ago with Muslim leaders, including members of the Muslim Brotherhood. A meeting that was so secret that it took days for the news media to even find out who was at that meeting. And of course, we don't know if we've got a full list. But they, we have no idea what was discussed at that meeting. And, again... We see Obama giving aid and comfort to the enemy, repeatedly. That all fits the definition of treason. But go to my blog. Read the blog, because that's what I've been, been, been my talking points so far today. My blog on, on my blog site, which is www.michaelconnelly.com. And you can read my blog there. You can read this latest article on aid and comfort. You can read the article I wrote about uh, they're coming for our guns. And that brings up another point I wanted to be sure and talk about today is another of Obama's executive orders. He's actually issued three executive orders on gun control 
since the first of the year. The most recent and uh, most damaging one is uh, banning ammunition that's used in AR-15s. Now, a lot of people out there have the AR-15 as their principal weapon. Some use it for hunting. Some have it for, for defense. Because it's a powerful weapon. It's semi-automatic. It's so not a assault weapon, as they, they keep trying to call it. Assault weapons are weapons that are fully automatic. These are semi-automatic weapons. And a lot of people have them. Well, ammunition has been scarce for them. So if you've got one or you're considering buying one, understand that ammunition has been fairly scarce, but it has been available up until now. Now we have BATF banning the major type of ammunition and banning it, claiming that it is a danger to police officers because it's armor-piercing. That is an out-and-out lie. It is not armor-piercing ammunition. It's not powerful enough. It doesn't have the requirements on the bullet itself that are required to be able to effectively pierce armor. It's been tested and shown that it doesn't pierce armor. Yet BATF has decided they're going to ban the ammunition on that basis, on that basis alone. Obama has also stopped the importation of weapons into this country from other countries. He stopped the importation of parts for certain weapons from other countries. He's following the United Nations Treaty, Small Arms Treaty. He's implementing that in our country by executive order, even though the Constitution of the United States specifically says that two-thirds of the Senate must ratify any treaty signed by the president before that treaty can go into effect. And as I've told you before in this show, a 1957 Supreme Court ruling says that even if a treaty is signed by the president, ratified by two-thirds of the members of the Senate, it still cannot take away the constitutional rights of Americans. So Obama is implementing the treaty anyway. His people are claiming that the Constitution doesn't really mean what it says, that he can go ahead and implement the treaty without a two-thirds majority, two-thirds majority vote of the Senate, and that it requires a two-thirds majority vote by the Senate to block him from implementing the treaty. That's turning the Constitution completely upside down. That's not what it says. But that's the game that Obama's playing, and that's the game that he continues to play. He continues to put our country in grave danger. We have to make a move here. Now, you know, I've written articles of impeachment. That also is on my website. And, again, you can go to the website at uh, michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. And if you like the website and you want me to alert you every time I post a new article, then uh, send me an email. Uh, to uh, My email address is on the site. Uh, send me an email, and I'll add you to my list. And by the way, the list I have is confidential. Nobody else has access to it, and I don't use it to do forwards of a bunch of stuff to you. you you'll strictly hear from me when I'm notifying you that I posted a new article. So if you want to do that, go to that website, see the articles I've written, 
over the past year, uh, formal articles of impeachment of uh, uh, Congress, uh, so the Congress can pass these, and it only takes a majority of the House of Representatives to pass them, and then they could appoint special prosecutors and have a full-scale trial, show the American people, this trial in the Senate, show the American people exactly what this man is doing to our country. <clears throat> people need to, these articles have been con confirmed or been turned over to the House Judiciary Committee. This was prior to the election. Right now, there hasn't been much activity. We know that the uh, Congress is caught up in the Keystone Pipeline situation. There's a big battle right now over the Department of Homeland Security budget. But you need to contact your members of the House of Representatives, particularly if they're Republicans and particularly if they are on the House Judiciary Committee, and tell them you want those articles considered, you want them voted out of the committee so they can come in, come to the entire floor and the American people can finally see that the Republicans in Congress are willing to stand up to this unconstitutional, the unconstitutional actions of this man who calls himself our president. Also on the website, you can check out uh, my credentials. You can go to the USJF website, uh, USJF.net, that's the United States Justice Foundation, and there you can find out how to donate to the Justice Foundation. You can find out uh, more about me. In fact, you can find the link to my uh, website on that site. If you go to the About Michael Connell Executive Director section, which is at the top of the home page, uh, it gives you the direct link that you can click on to my website where my blog is located. But on my personal website, you can also find out about the books I've written, uh, the book on our, the book of our Constitution, where I take, take each article each section and each amendment of the Constitution and put them out as originally uh, written and then make my comments about what they mean. That one continues to be a very top seller. Uh, people are ordering it uh, for church distribution in churches. They're ordering it to just carry around themselves. They're ordering it to distribute it in uh, schools to our students who are not being taught about the Constitution at all. They're being taught exactly the opposite. So you find out about the booklet there and how to order it. Um, it's it's easy to do and it's not expensive. You can also find out about my other books that I've written. Uh, my book about my dad's unit during World War II has uh, become a big seller. It's called The Mortarman. And I recently got an email from a gentleman in Belgium who lives right outside the village where my father's unit fought during the Battle of Balls, where they were overrun. His company B, the South Kimberly Mortar Battalion, they were overrun and uh, lost half of their men, all of their equipment. This little village, like 15 houses, the survivors hooked up with some paratroopers that were loose ends, got a, their hands on one light tank, and found some combat engineers. They counterattacked, took back the town, and the village, and held the Panzer Division off for three days until they were relieved. Very heroic story. And all, the book is about this unit. It's about their in, uh, entire wartime service. A lot of personal stories. Uh, I just today heard from a, the family of one of the uh, men who was in the unit. Uh, they Googled my name, and they, they Googled their grandfather's name, and they found out about my book, and that his picture was actually in it. So they were thrilled. You can order copies of that. It's available on, uh, through my website. Uh, if you want a signed copy, it's available uh, through Amazon. Barnes & Noble is available as an e-book. My book, my patriotic novel, Alan Yaley, A Story of America, which is continuously attacked by the left because it is patriotic, uh, 
That is also available on Amazon through my website. It's also available as an e-book. And then I've got my two books of sort of campfire-type stories, Writers in the Sky, The Ghosts and Legends of Philmont Scout Ranch. Uh, you can get a copy of that through me for your scout, uh, Boy Scout, or if you were uh, an adult leader, uh, or even if you just like campfire stories. And then the final book is America's Liveliest Ghost, uh, which is becoming popular. So those links are available at michaelconnelly.jz.com. I appreciate you listening to me today, and I look forward to talking to you next week, and hopefully I'll we'll have some better news to talk about. Good day. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.